talk about slobber knocking fights. Ground and pound. Rear naked chokes. Plug your ears if you don't want to hear it. It's coming up next, another brand new episode of Sucker Radio. This is MMA fight music producer Mikey Ruckus, and you are listening to another edition of Sucker Radio with your host, Jeremy Brand. Be sure to catch all your mixed martial arts news and interviews and updates at www.mmasucker.com. Welcome back to another episode of Sucker Radio here on MMASucker.com as well as last word on sports.com. I'm your host, as always, Jeremy Brand. We have a fantastic show lined up for you today. If you hadn't heard, this past week it was announced that there was a new Hall of Fame class for 2015, and one of the inductees is Frank Trigg for his fight against Matt Hughes um, at UFC 52. These guys battled for less than a round and that fight is being entered into the Hall of Fame. So both those guys will be there in the 2015 class. And he will also be on this show. Frank Trigg joining me a little later on. But kicking things off, I, I wanted to talk to a uh, man behind MMA Opinion, Ian Bain. He'll join me in a few minutes here. But first I wanted to talk about some news. This past weekend, we had UFC 187. Yes, the two title fights happened in the co-main event. We saw none other than Chris Weidman finish Vitor Belfort very quickly. Belfort looked to have stunned Weidman. Um, looked that he was going to be able to finish it. And no, he didn't. Weidman proved that he is the real deal at 185 pounds. And uh, Belfort is not. He finished him off at 2 minutes and 53 seconds of the very first round. By TKO, keeping that strap around his waist. In the main event, the light heavyweight title is up for grabs as John Jones is out of action. So Daniel Cormier took on Anthony Rumble Johnson, and DC had his way with Rumble. Literally, Johnson had nothing for Daniel Cormier. The wrestling was on point for DC, took him down at will, and landed a submission in the third round to capture that 205-pound gold. Rumble was a, a gentleman in this bout. He lost, but he was the man to put the belt around DC's waist, showing that the better man had won the fight. Also on this card, a few other cool things happened. Lightweight Donald Cerrone continued on his winning ways, defeating John McDessey. The second round, TKO broke his jaw. It was pretty nasty. Uh, heavyweights Andre Arlovsky and Travis Brown duked it out in an awesome fight. It was only one round, actually less than a round, 4 minutes, 41 seconds. Andre Arlovsky got it done, TKO'd Hapa, and uh, finished the deal. This looks like Andre Arlovsky of old, and guess what? In 2015, we could quite possibly see Andre Arlovsky fight for yet another title. A UFC title at that. Who would have thunk that Andre Arlovsky would be back in the UFC fighting for a title? Kicking off the pay-per-view, flyweights Joseph Benavidez and John Moraga went to a decision, but Benavidez took home each judge's scorecard, 30-27, climbing himself up that ladder, getting very close, back to title contention. I guess it depends on what happens with John Dodson because he also won his fight against Zach Makovsky in the featured bout on the preliminary card on Fox Sports 1. 
Nothing else much to talk about on this one. This Saturday, it is fight week. UFC goes down on Saturday, UFC Fight Night 67. Carlos Condit takes on Tiago Alves, the main event of that one. I'm not going to talk much about this card. But right now, I wanted to start things off here. And it, it all depends on when you're listening to the show. If you're listening to the show on the day we dropped it, which is Thursday, then this man will be the man behind MMA Opinion. However, if you're listening to it after Friday, he is known as the former man behind MMA Opinion. He is Ian Bain, and he had some sad news to announce on Wednesday afternoon. He announced that as of Friday, MMA Opinion will be no more. Ian, I'm sorry to hear this, man. Thank you very much, Jeremy. Yeah, it's a bit of a a kick to the teeth, um, but it, it's been a long time coming. Um, it's been... A while. I mean, obviously, well, you know that we lost our original uh, Facebook page, which had, you know, 75,000 people on. Um, and I think the motivation has just gone a little bit. So this is definitely the right time. Um, personal reasons, you know, you know, outside of the MMA world that I, I'm, I'm moving to a new country. Um, I'm just not going to have the time to put into it as much as uh, I would have liked to, at least. I know over the the last few months, yeah, as you said, you personal things, you've you've taken a bit of a step back. Um, actually, it, it was pretty much since the hack of the old site, you haven't been the same Ian Bain on uh, MMA Opinion. Would you agree? Uh, I think that's a very fair assessment. Um, it was, you know, the the hack itself wasn't the problem. Um, I had some personal issues let's just say that was going on um away from mma and when that happened um life changed a little bit and you know how busy mma is we've spoke about this in the past that the ufc have got such a a drastic calendar um and on a saturday night I, i like to go out and have a beer and have a little bit of a dance and over here in the UK that's just not possible with the UFC being on you know three o'clock in the morning sometimes you can't go out and get drunk and then come and do results and and talk with people um without having a a straight mind so it it is fair to say that I've kind of took a big step back but um it's just weird that the decision came today when uh, Andy and I spoke about it this, this afternoon. It, it was literally on a whim like that. Yourself and Andy spoke this afternoon, and and a couple hours later, you were posting the announcement. I mean, obviously, there were some thoughts about this, and, and you guys had spoken in the past, but overall, it was decided in a phone or over a phone call today. Uh, not even a phone call. Call <laughs> to be fair, it was over over a text message. Um, he he's just started a new job, so I text him saying, um, you know, how how how's your day at work been? Um, just a generic text message, and he replied, and and I just went. I have to admit, there's an ulterior motive to uh, my text message today. I think it's time that we we knocked MMA opinion on the head, and and he, you know, to his credit, because there's been times in the past where I've wanted to walk away. Um, and and he's kind of talked me out of it, saying, you know, we've got something good going on. We need to to give it a try. But he was like, you know, I I, I think the same thing. He's he's just started a family, you know. He's got a a baby, um, and you know, you know more than anyone that covering MMA takes a large, large part of your time up. 
And I yeah. think, you know, you've got to have the desire for that. And we love MMA. That, that, that isn't the issue. It is more that we don't want it to become a chore. You know, I, I've missed being a fan. I've missed being able to pick and choose what MMA I'm going to watch, what what fights excite me. And I'm looking forward to not having to be um, someone who just calls fights down the line as, as being neutral. I'm looking forward to going back and hopefully getting a new favourite fighter because, you know, the ones that I grew up with are, are pretty much retired now. So I'm looking forward to, to going back and being a fan. But I do think I'll be involved in MMA in some way down the line. Um, I don't know how, don't know when, don't know what it'll be, but I think I'll, I'll probably dip my toes in and out. But me and Andy are already talking about new projects that are away from MMA that, that we want to try out. So of course you are. That, that, <laughs> well, that's that's the, the thing, but that's that's probably what the most exciting thing about this is. It's, it's the end of a chapter, but it's the beginning of a brand new one as well. Well, you guys know how to build it. I mean, you guys took this thing from... A bottom feeder sort of Facebook page and and built up the original MMA opinion page quite quickly. Take us back to that couple years ago or a few years ago when you uh, first made MMA opinion and yourself and Andy decided to do the Facebook page and and sort of the growth over the years. Just tell us how it started and and moving forward. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was at at university at the time. And yeah, I had a lot of free time on my hands uh, away from doing all the the studying that I should have been doing. Um, (laughs) I realized that I was on the internet quite a lot talking. I mean, I've been on the the Sherdog forums for, for, you know, years and the underground. um, And I mean, Twitter was around, but it wasn't quite as big as it it has been over the last couple of years. So Facebook was the, the latest mode that I was seeing people talk. And there was a few other pages out there um, you know, they had a couple of thousand people on and I would go on and talk and I, and I would realize that I was quite good at, at putting down a, an opinion that wasn't, wasn't nasty and, and wasn't uh, condescend. And it was a good way of just making up discussion. And I thought, oh, I can make one of these pages. I messaged Andy, um, and, and at that time we were living on opposite ends of the country. Um, I came back up to where, where we both grew up to, to visit family. And we were sitting in his backyard and we were talking MMA and I was like, we are making this page today. <laughs> um, and, and we made it. We had a, a hundred people within an hour. Um, admittedly, at least half of those were probably family and friends. But, you know, you've got, you've got to start somewhere on that front. Um, and it just snowballed from there. I think we, we, we looked at what other pages were doing and we looked at what... Sherdog did as a forum. We looked at uh, the start of Twitter and, and what was so popular on there. And we thought, how can we improve that? How can we do that? And one thing was, and I, I'm a big believer in this, um, which happened before we even got a website, is the results side of things. A lot of people do not want to read breakdowns of fights. They want to get their opinion across. So we, we started putting results into a status. Um, and, and people would comment underneath. And now I think now every Facebook page pretty much does that now. But at the time, I don't want to say we started, but I think we were one of the first ones that were doing it that way. And, and it snowballed from then. And as the likes just increased, somebody came to us and said, you should start a website. And 
I love writing. I've always loved writing, not just MMA. I love writing stories, writing about uh, other sports that I've got interest in. And I thought this was a good chance, but it was just going to be a blog. Um, and I, well, you know how it is. You start yeah. off as a as a as a hobby of yours, and it just snowballs from there. And we got to go to UFC events over in Europe and, and work as press. And I mean, I'm not a, a trained journalist by any means, and just to have the opportunity to do that and to even get to sit down and talk to someone like Dana White, who gets a lot of, of crap from people, but he was he, every time I've spoke to him, I've spoken to him a handful of times, he's been really nice. Um, and, yeah, it just kept growing and growing. And, and I think when it did get hacked, we probably shouldn't have started the new page. We probably should have just left it there. But um, I think in our heads we thought, right, we rebuild it we rebuild it we rebuild it but our lives are, are changing so hectically at the moment that it, it just isn't possible to do that anymore i will say that you know when you did create the new page no it didn't get the 80 some odd thousand likes that the old page had but you are sitting at 6586 and and those 6000 people that you have on there are all still contributing to the Facebook page. You, that's the one thing about MMA opinion that differs from a lot of these other um, mixed martial arts Facebook pages is the amount of interaction that happens on the page. Yeah, and it's not just that. I think we made a conscious effort when we started the page to to make ourselves um, very accessible to people. And I'm not going to say that I'm, you know, a, a John Morgan or an uh, Ariel Helwani or someone like that who knows the ins and outs of everything but anytime I found something out I didn't want to keep it to myself I wanted to tell people I wanted I wanted to be friends with the people who were taking time out of their day to come and talk MMA with me um so we, we have we've made some really good friends I mean I can't speak higher of the people that we had you know helping out on the page you know that that was the sad part of the day me and Andy having to say goodbye to to people who've you know put in hours and hours of work for free, pretty much most of the time, um, through their love of the sport, and and I think uh, you know today when we posted that we were we were thinking about closing down, reading the comments. Um, I'm not an emotional guy, but it was emotional to to hear people saying that we've had some kind of impact on their life, and and Andy texted me straight away after that, and he he said you know. I don't think we realized until this point now how much of an impact that just talking on the internet can have on someone. And I think that's one of the things that we're going to take away from this is the fact that we've made so many great friends. Like, for example, you and I, we wouldn't have yeah. ever spoke if it wasn't for MMA. And, you know, we, we speak probably at least once a week, once every couple of weeks, which is great considering that we live on opposite continents. Exactly. And, and I mean, what were the reactions of the guys that, that worked for you and, and these guys that were doing stuff for free? Because obviously I'm sure you, you spoke with them and, and sent the messages before you put out this announcement. What, what was their reaction? Um, yeah, well, at the moment we're down to just the, the four of us uh, left from the original team that we had. There was obviously Andy and I, uh, Charles, who um, is in my opinion, the greatest person in MMA that knows Russian MMA. Um, I literally have never learned, and, you know, I'm in Europe. He, he's, he lives in America. I've learned more about European MMA through him than I have 
you know, in the God knows how many years it is now that I've been, you know, following MMA as a fan. He he's really, really on the ball with that kind of thing. And he said, "Look, I've enjoyed doing it for you. Um, it's been an, you know, it's been a pleasure. Obviously disappointing, but at the same time, you understand why we made the decision we did. And at the end of the day, we we're still gonna." be friends away from the sport. We're still going to talk MMA. We've got a, a little group message going on that we um, talk privately about MMA. And, and some of the stuff isn't rebroadcastable on this on this show. Um, <laughs> um, but that's going to be interesting. And then Alex uh, is exactly in the same mold. Um, and he's got a family, etc. that he has on the side. I think he's going to appreciate the fact that he's going to be able to go back and do that and, and just go back to being a fan for a bit. Um, but like I said, these new projects that we've got going on, even though it isn't MMA, we're hoping to still involve them guys in some way because um, they're very good at what they do. And not just MMA-wise, they're very good at talking to people. They're very good at relaying information. And, and that's hopefully the way we're going to go in the future. That's really cool. Now, you said that uh, one of the biggest things you take away from this is how big of an impact that writing on the internet has to people out across the world. Now, if, if that's not the one thing that you... Uh, if that's not the only thing that you take away from having MMA opinion on, on Facebook and, and the website itself, what is overall sort of your thoughts over the last few years um, being a whole part of the MMA community? Um, it's been a... A love here thing for me. There's been times when I really love being part of the MMA community. Um, you you know, a lot of journalists and, and writers get a lot of bad press from fans, but honestly, I don't think I've come across any writers who have been dickheads. Basically, um, you know, I've I've made some great friends in the likes of you, Adam Martin, James Lynch, Colin Bardsley. Funny, Sean we're all Canadian. Smith. Well, Sean W. Smith, possibly the, the best-looking male journalist ever. <laughs> uh, um, and then even the guys, I mean, I had a brief spell with, with Bloody Elbow and, and to work alongside somebody like uh, Kareem Zidane, who is a phenomenal writer and, and should be the kind of guy who's going to take the sport forward when, when a lot of these older guys step down. He's, he's so talented at getting the story out there. So that's the thing that I'm probably going to take away the most overall is the is the friends in the MMA community. I mean, this isn't going to be the end of me talking MMA, you know, on, on Twitter, etc. I'll still be going wild, but I'm going to select the events that I'm going to stay up till six o'clock in the morning for now and, and just watch the others on tape delay on a Sunday. And um, The bad side of it, though, is that um, the sport isn't what it's meant to be and what it could be. Um, there's a lot of stepping on other people, not just... Um, in journalism, but I think in the, in the, the full sport itself, and and you know that, and and I think everybody within the sport accepts that. You know, there's there's good guys out there in the sport, um, fighters, promoters, but there's also guys that, that should not really be involved in the sport, in my opinion. And are, are they in it for the wrong wrong ideas and the wrong motives? And I think that's one of the things I'm looking forward to to stepping back on, not having to to deal with that. I don't know how to really say that. I, I, that, that I know what you're saying. Yeah, I get what you're saying, and I think that's something that that is 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 cool for you to have the ability to be able to step back now because I know we spoke about this before I have you on the air here 
um, that myself as well, MMA has become a bit of a chore. And I think the UFC is shooting themselves in their own foot by putting on so many fights and so many cards. And, and I mean, there's just too much MMA right now. And as someone that's a part of the media to say that it's a chore for us and a chore for me, that's not what they want. They want the fans to be excited and they want the media to be excited to cover the sport, not having to hand it off to other staff members. Yeah, and, and it's not just that. It's it's the fact that the UFC don't treat the media with any kind of, of realization that they are trying to help the UFC. The UFC kind of feel like they're that it's the journalists against them, and it's not. I want the UFC to do well. I want World Series of Fighting to do well. I want Bellator and all these promotions to do do well because at the end of the day, like like you, I've interviewed so many different fighters, and I want them to earn money. So the, the, the only way they're going to earn more money is by the sport becoming bigger and bigger. And I think the UFC really need to have a look now at, at what they're going to do moving forward to make sure that they're not just watering cards down and then putting on the odd good card every four or five months um, because fans don't want that. And, and we've seen seen it in the past with certain things that if you do not give the fans what they want, they'll go elsewhere for that. And, and the UFC has to address that sooner rather than later. And I don't know whether it's a star issue. I mean, we, I know I've been on the show with you in the past. We've talked about the lack of stars that the UFC has or whether it's a fact that they need to look at their roster and realize that they've probably got too many people under contract and and need to draw back the cards a little bit. But either way, the UFC have a big, big couple of years ahead of them. Well, Ian, um, I I hope this isn't the last time I have you on the show. I'm sure I will have you on again, whether it's breaking um, news of new ventures that you guys have going on outside the MMA community because I want all of our listeners to keep up with what you have going on. I know you wrote it down very well on the MMA Opinion page, letting people know that you guys would be closing down shop. Um, You made your thank yous. You said all that you could over there. But I want you to just let our listeners know all that you have to say to them about the closing of shop with MMA Opinion and, and whatever else you have going on. Yeah, um, I think it, it is really hard for me to put into words the effect that uh, MMA Opinion has had on my life. And I know people will look at it and think, you know, it was a website, it was a Facebook page, how silly. But um, I've had some trying times over the last five years. Um, I've had some really good times. But the one constant throughout that was that I had somewhere to go and talk about a, a great, great love of mine, which is MMA. For, for anybody who has checked out the page, and I know that there will be people listening to this that have, I am eternally grateful for the opportunities that came from people following the page. I got to live the life sort of of what a, a journalist would by going to events, etc. And I got to meet so many different heroes of mine um, from when I was growing up alongside the spot before MMA Opinion was even around. And I can literally not express not just for me, but also for Andy, because I think a lot of people often forget the, the impact that he had. And he, he was the true backbone behind the team. He just didn't like the, the limelight, and it seemed to be me that dragged <laughs> got dragged into that. Um, surprise, surprise. Um, but I'm 
heading to Qatar now. I'm going to, to teach over uh, there, which is exciting. And, and that's the the new focus on my life at the moment. And I intend to still stick around MMA in some way. And I, I hope that somebody will find a way to use me in a way that um, is both beneficial to, to both themselves and I. But for the moment, I'm going to go to bed on a Saturday night, maybe a little drunk, knowing that I do not have to stay up till six o'clock to watch a, a main card, which five years ago wouldn't, wouldn't even have been you know, suitable for a prelims card. So thank you to everyone. Thank you to you, Jeremy. Um, and, you know, thank, just thank you to the, the whole MMA community, whether they've, whether they've agreed with what I've said or whether they've hated what I've said. I have a way. It, it's just been a pleasure from, from, from really deep down in my heart. Seeing your Facebook page over the last few Saturdays, I know it won't be trouble for you to get into, you know, the bar time over in the UK. I know that's been something that you've been getting up to as of late. So <laughs> hopefully it continues even more now that you don't have to watch the UFC. Well, all I'm going to say, Jeremy, is there's a lot of women in the world that have yet to see me dance. So <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping that that's going to be rectified over the next few months before I before I head to a new country. Ian, all the best, my friend, uh, with future endeavors as well as uh, your new teaching gig in Qatar. Yeah, exciting times. I appreciate that a lot. And um, as always, if you're listening to this and this is the first time, do check out Jeremy's site, MMAsucker.com. Fantastic site. They've got some great writers. He's got some great staff. And, And Jeremy... You are one of the most passionate people that I've come across in this sport. And I, I truly am humbled by the fact that I can call you a friend. Thanks a lot, man. I, I truly, truly appreciate that. And, and you know from the bottom of my heart that I wish you all the best. Thank you, buddy. This man was involved in one of the most epic battles in UFC history and has been recognized for his effort by having that fight inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame this year. Please welcome Frank Trigg to Sucker Radio. Frank, thank you for joining me today, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Now, first off, obviously, congratulations on the induction. Just explain to our listeners what it was like when you found out that your fight against Matt Hughes was being put into the Hall of Fame. I didn't believe it at first. It took a couple of days for it to actually settle in. Um, when Karen Bryant announced it on uh, UFC Tonight uh, on the Wednesday... You know, my phone, I was getting ready to teach class, so I was doing my, my class prep, and then, you know, my phone started blowing up with text messages and what have you, and I, I really still still hadn't said in that much, really, until probably later that evening when, when Matt Hughes put a, a tweet out with me included that our fight was going into the Hall of Fame, and then I was like, oh, this, it must be a real thing. This is actually happening now. So you found out via tweet, text messages, and uh, Matt Hughes putting out that picture. The UFC didn't contact you themselves. No, no, no. I I knew I heard from the UFC, but they they were trying to be real secretive about it. So what I was told is they needed me to come in and help with the documentary on one of the promotions that they now own the rights to that I fought for, and that was what was being told to me. And then they didn't release it to me till Tuesday night that I was going to the Hall of Fame, and then I didn't. And then I really didn't start believing until actually to this weekend, like Friday and Saturday. That was actually happening. Sort of a pinch yourself kind of moment, eh? Um, I wouldn't say that. It's just there's, you know, it's it's just one of those things you you kind of, you know, 
through your athletic career, you're never really sure if you've done enough to be in anyone's Hall of Fame, no matter what you've done, no matter who you are, you know. And then you come through, and, and then so like it takes so long for those kind of kind of decisions to come about. It has to be from five years ago, you know. My fight was over. You know, this fight obviously was ten years ago, so it was one of those things where, you know, and and you know, there, there's four categories now, and I don't fit in any one of the categories <laughs> except for the fight one. And there's so many fights out there that could have been. As soon as I read that they had a, a fight category opening up, I looked at it and it was, you know, the first fight that comes to mind is going to be Bonner and Griffin because that changed how everybody looks at looks at MMA as, as a whole. And you look at Henderson and Shogun, and that was an amazing fight under itself. And I'm thinking one of those two is going to go in first. And so when they, you know, and I'm a pretty intelligent, pretty intuitive guy. And I'm like, yeah, these have got to be one of, one of these two fights. They've got to go in first. And they called me. I was like, it blew me away. Like it was, It's super, super surreal. It took a second for me to, like I said, for me to believe it. And it's just one of those things that, you know, that it takes a while for you to get your head wrapped around it. Now, you said 10 years ago. That's what I was thinking. It's hard to believe that it's been 10 years since that fight. Is it? Is it hard for you to wrap your brain around that? Um, I don't even know what the date was, to be honest with you. Uh, Ariel Hawani asked us um, a couple of days ago if I remember the date. I had no idea. All I know is UFC 52, but I have no no clue what the date was, you know, when that when it actually happened. So. Um, I'm assuming 10 years ago because that's the date that he gave me. Yeah, know? yeah. UFC 52 happened in 2005, which is it's pretty crazy that it's been that long. Even after the loss, did, did you know that you were involved in something special after that fight happened? No, no, not at all. I mean, it was just to, to myself, um, and I think Matt stated it as well, it to us it was just another fight. It was just another day at the office. We had to, you know, we had a fight. To, this is how we provided for our families. This is how we made our living. And so for us, it was just a fight. And, you know, he wins it and goes off and has a winner's party, and I lost when I've had went off and had a loser's party, and that's just kind of how it worked. <laughs> now, many fans, I mean, at this point in time, many fans might forget about that fight and forget that it was finished in the first round, even if they had watched the fight. It's it's sort of cool right now with UFC Fight Pass and, and, and that service that people can go back and relive that round over and over again. Would you not agree? Uh, Yeah, yeah, if they choose to. I mean, there's there's... A lot of it's actually, you know, weird now that that I go back and actually look at UFC Fight Pass and kind of what they've done with that format is that, you know, almost half of my fights total in my entire career now are on UFC Fight Pass between everything they've, they, they've, that they purchased up between Pride and and WFA and, and Strikeforce and and uh, and of course the UFCs like that's almost half my career is now on is now on Fight Pass and guys guys you know my generation. You know, we fought in a lot of different organizations. It wasn't the unity. The UFC had to come out as strong as it had yet. It was still, you know, still being developed. It was still illegal in most states. You know, when I was when I started fighting in, you know, 97, 98, there's still a lot of a lot of states that didn't even think it was legal at that point. So we fought all kind of all over the place. And and for the UFC to be able to have almost half my fights underneath one genre on UFC Fight Pass is a huge deal. It's and plus an easy way for my kids to go back and look, hey, you want to see what daddy used to do? Well, here, let's go turn on, you know, Fight Pass and go watch what's happening. Have you done that? No, I have not. My eldest one, my eldest one, has seen most of my fights. Um, my daughter has no interest in that that portion. And then my two younger ones are six and four, so they don't really get it yet. For sure. Let's let's talk Hall of Fame as a whole. Do you personally think that there needs to be an MMA Hall of Fame, or does the UFC Hall of Fame suffice? Well, remember the UFC Hall of Fame is one Hall of Fame. It's only going to incorporate the people that are they're significant and, and and have, 
have names and name recognition in the UFC. Yeah. You know, like that's it. They're not going to cover the guys. You know, it doesn't really cover the guys that were in Pride or cover the guys that were in, in, in Strike Force or cover the guys that, that helped start, you know, different different uh, uh, genres and different ads. I think eventually someone's going to have to come up with a full MMA Hall of Fame. That was always my idea is that when somebody started MMA Hall of Fame, I'd be inducting that for, you know, for being one of the pioneers of the sport. And then as well as, as being a commentator, one of the, the first commentators that came out of the sport that I thought for sure MMA Hall of Fame would get into, but then wouldn't ever get into the UFC Hall of Fame. So, you know, for me, this was a huge surprise coming in. And now as I'm kind of filtering my way through it and looking at the looking at what's going on and what's happening with it, you know, there is going to be a need for MMA Hall of Fame, but who's going to do it? Who's going to put the money behind an MMA Hall of Fame? You know, UFC is spending a lot of time, a lot of effort, yeah. a lot of energy to building it, to making a brand new building. Um, for it specifically to have a UFC Hall of Fame, like this is a big deal. No one else is going to be able to put that kind of money behind it. So I think we're a long ways away from an MMA Hall of Fame. But eventually, somebody put it together. Someone will have it. will have it. Uh, have it put out there. But the, the UFC Hall of Fame is uh, is one of the pinnacle, you know, of all sports franchises. You know, if you look at, at Major League Baseball, um, hockey, basketball, you know, whatever major sport you want to look at, the UFC Hall of Fame is is on par with those Hall of Fames. Now it's it's a huge deal. And it's it's a privilege to be part of this new cast and how they're how they're drawing everybody in. You know, you look at my my Hall of Fame class. It's obviously it's it's myself and Matt Hughes for our fight. Then you look at Jeff Latnick, who coined the phrase mixed martial arts and MMA. He's the man that that gave us the name of our sport. And then you look at Boss Root and, and BJ Penn. And we're talking about you know th- th- this class I'm a part of. It's amazing to be with these men. You know, as a part of this group being brought in 2015 into the Hall of Fame, and it's just incredible. You know, to look at and you go back and I think we hold on par. For the same time frame, if you look at these other sports, you know they're obviously much older. They've been around for hundreds of years. Some of these, you know, some of these other Hall of Fames because the sports have been well. The sports, you know, the Hall of Fame's been around for like 50, 60 years, where the sports have been around since the turn of the century. You know, it, it's a it becomes a big deal all of a sudden. Looking at you know, I'm a, I'm in one of the earlier classes of the Hall of Fame, and I'm I'm this new and I'm the, the first fight that gets in of all time. It's a huge deal, and this is you know obviously the pinnacle of our sport is the UFC. And so it just makes sense that, you know, that, that this is the top end and, and we are, our Hall of Fame is on par with, with every other Hall of Fame that's out there, major sports franchises. Would you say this is one of the greatest things that happened in your career? Well, obviously, getting the Hall of Fame in, in any genre for anything. Like you, you go back to high school and you want to, you know, finish up your high school career. And you get done and all of a sudden you're graduating college and, and moving on. All of a sudden they call you up and go, hey, you're in your high school Hall of Fame. Like that's a big deal. And, and the thing is, like, if you go back and look in, I'm only in one other Hall of Fame, and that's the Mar- um, uh, the Masters Hall of Fame, and that's for my being a traditional martial artist, and that's why I got in the Masters Hall of Fame. And then the other, ho- the only other Hall of Fame I'm in is the UFC Hall of Fame. I'm in the best, the top end of my sport in my life. This is the top end, top end deal, and this is obviously puts a huge cap on top of my my career uh, as a fighter, and and honestly will set me up. You know, this is something I get to put on my business card for the rest of my life. This is something I get to put in my my email signature for the rest of my life. This is something that goes on my resume. When I go out looking for stunt work and acting work, it's like this is a big deal uh, uh, for me, not only to put a cap on what happened in my athletic career, but also what can happen in the future for my for my uh, uh, my income and for my legacy for my children. No kidding. Now, I know since stepping away from the sport as an active fighter, you haven't actually stepped away from the sport as a whole. You you had your own radio show as a co-host. You worked with Sportsnet.ca and currently working over at MMA Oddsbreaker. Um, what made you stick within the industry? Well, it's this sport. I've always been one of those people that I was taught from a very young age that, you know, when we were, when whatever martial art that I was in was always like, you get to a certain level, you have to teach and you have to get back to the sport to help the sport grow. And, and of course, being a wrestler, that's one of the things we always did. We always went out and taught other people, taught kids how to wrestle, 
ran wrestling programs and the whole bit. And then so with, with MMA, you know, without being asked, without being paid to do it, you know, I went out there and started doing it, you know, and, and as the, the commentating jobs all got kind of absorbed by the UFC and, and they kept their, their fighters, you know, keeping the fighters from in-house, you know, we've all seen the, the, the Fox shows where, you know, Evans and, and Cruz and, and Bisbing are all on, on there, plus others obviously are, are, are part of the commentating team. That I, I wanted to find another way to get back, so I start. I went and took Pajama McCarthy's refereeing and judging course, passed that, and then went on, and I've been refereeing and judging quite a bit over the last year as well. So it's like not only am I still doing interviews with fighters on MMA Oddsbreaker, I'm also refereeing, you know, sometimes three, four times a month. You know, every weekend I have a, a refereeing assignment that I'm doing, you know, either in Nevada or in California. Nice. Do you think that now that you are inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame, I mean, you're seen as one of them now, that it could change and you could possibly work with the Fox, Fox Sports Networks? I would love to. And remember, I started Fox Sports. Like yeah. That's, that, you know, that's my, that was my start was over there, calling women's boxing and, and calling the pride shows and, and working with Jay Glazer. And, of course, you know, my boss back then was George Greenberg, who's now the president of Fox Sports. So this is a guy that's moved up, and I talked to him this weekend. And, and you know, and, and, and it's tough for me to come in, who haven't, who haven't been on the air with Fox for, for you know, since Pride got purchased, and walk in and see these guys, how good the, the panel is, like see these, you know, how good Bisbing is on camera, so good Rashad Evans is on camera, you know, so good Florian is on camera, you know, so good Dan Hardy is on camera. To see these guys on camera and come in and go, hey, look, by the way, you know, one of these guys gets sick and I have a kind of a, a spot, you know, and of course, George Greenberg has always been really good to me. He's like, yeah, if there's a spot for you to slide in, the UFC approves it, for sure. I would hope that a, a spot for me would come in, but I got to be honest with you, it's going to be tough to sell because the panels that they have and the guys they have when they're talking right now are really good at what they do. You know, am I better? Yes. Am I more seasoned? <laughs> yes. But they're really good at what they do and why and why in, in sports broadcasting, you never want to shake up the cart. You never want to shake things up. You always want to keep it as, you know, keep the team together as you possibly can. And if you look at, at uh, you know, how Fox Sunday works, it's the same panel's been on there for a very long time. And you understand why when you go watch Fox NFL Sunday over there in, down here in the States, you understand why it works so well because these guys have been together for a long time. So it's going to be tough for me to get in there, but I would love to have it happen. I just don't think it will. Now, I saw you up in Vancouver at UFC 174. Obviously, you're covering events all over the place. What's been your favorite experience covering the sport from that media perspective? You know what? It's like seeing the guys I used to fight, you know, interviewing, you know, interviewing guys like Carlos Condit, you know, interviewing guys like Robbie Lawler, interviewing guys like, like George St. Pierce. I've, I've gone on and moved on, and they're, and they're now at the top of the sport, top of the game, you know, when George is still competing, and, and talking to these guys. And seeing how their mindsets have changed from when we were doing interviews and when we were fighting, just seeing how their mindset changed, the maturity level they've gotten, you know, and, and really it, it, it's been it's been tremendous. But let's not forget that I got to call Krokop and Fedor when they fought in Pride, and I got yeah. to call you know Takayama when they fought in Pride, and, and Tokamoto and, and Musaki and and Henderson and Vandalay, like in their prime and their heydays. I got to call these guys, and I was doing their I was doing the commentating gigs. So for me, from a commentating standpoint, it's tough because. There's so much history now that I that I've witnessed. You know, I witnessed in my in my personal opinion, the greatest of all time, Fedor Melianko walk in and, and you know and go 22, 23, 24 fights in a row, beating guys up, you know, and, and watching guys like Henderson knock out Vanderlei Silva. I'm I'm calling that fight in you know in Las Vegas. I'm sitting in the in a table and, and we're just watching Henderson smash with that right hand and put Vanderlei down. You know, I watched Gomi, you know, hit Diaz in the head and split his head open, and Diaz all of a sudden throw that Google platter on for the finish. I mean, it was it's. It's been a lot of a lot of history has gone in for me from a commentating standpoint. So it's tough to say what my favorite part of it is, but I still really enjoy getting there and being really, in my mind, and, and I couldn't. Your listeners could be wrong, and, and feel free to to hit me up on on Facebook or Twitter or, or Instagram. And let me know. Hey, look, you know what you said is wrong, but you know I believe that I ask the tougher questions. I ask 
you know, the, the harder questions when I'm interviewing somebody as a fighter, because I want to know, it didn't work for me when I was doing it. How come it works for you so well? How come it's so easy for you to get away with this thing and I couldn't get away with it at all? Like, what's the, what's the mindset? What's the process? And really discovering what's going on with them. And sometimes they're tough questions, but these guys, because I fought, and I've been in some of the best fights, you know, in, in the in the world of all time. And you know, then you look at, of course, Hughes and Trick Two getting us into the Hall of Fame. It gives me a little bit of a little bit of more um, respect from these guys. So they tend to give me a little bit more information. They tend to loosen up a little more, and it, and it makes for interesting conversations. I love, I just love doing it. You know, watching it, watching it happen. Do you find that that you do get eye opened a little bit when these guys give you the answers of you know why it didn't work for you, but it's working for them? Um. Yeah. It, it, it's kind of like, cause the process is different. You know, I came from a wrestling background and had to learn the other sports, you know, at a much older age, I was in my twenties. We have a guy like John Jones, who's in his twenties. I was wrestling, trying to make a, trying to make an Olympic team at his same age. And he's, a, you know, he's, a, he's a, a, was the champ, you know, at the weight class. And he's learned, you know, his process of learning and his body type, his body style is very eye opening to me, how he learns stuff. You look at, you know, GSP, who was really a karate guy, but so athletic, super athletic, and then all of a sudden learns how to do a bunch of different stuff. You look at Roy McDonald, same kind of body type, super athletic, but that has a different style, different way of going about things. It just makes things, it makes me, you know, really like, wow, like I can't believe like, like he gets away with that. He does it. And then when he tells me the process, like, wow, it totally makes sense. I totally understand why he does things that way and why he gets away with it. Speaking of those guys, let's talk about two of them, John and George. Do you think they return to the sport and how soon? Um, George, I think he's done. I mean, there's no reason for him to come back. Uh, he had a scare with Hendricks. I, I think, you know, um, you go back and look at the scorecards and the way that I had it scored, I had Johnny winning that fight. And then George, you know, wins that fight and then backs away from the sport. He's making so much money now. He's in, he's, I think he's in, I think he's in Atlanta right now filming Captain America. I think he, you know, Civil War. I think he's out there right now, uh, working on a new movie gig, you know, and he's, he's always working all the time. He's making as much money or more money taking less beating to his body. So for me, I think it makes sense. John Jones, I think he'll try to come back, but it's really too soon to say, you know, there's been a big, uh, a big thing out there about, you know, I'm saying like, don't, don't feel sorry for him. I mean, he's a, he's a grown, grown ass man that can make his own decisions. He made a bad decision again, a repeat baddest decision. And he's gonna have to pay the price for it. And that's just kind of how it's going to work for him. Uh, but he's, you know, he's young enough where he can go in and, and even they say they give him a year, say, say he does 12 months, you know, nine months in, in jail for this last infraction. And he comes out, give him nine, ten months to get back to working out again. He could very easily back in, you know, and come back, come back to the sport. Will he be the same guy? No. He does no jail time and ends up having to do a lot of community service. I think we're going to see a, a different John Jones, a lot more calm John Jones, because when he's not training, have to be doing his community service or, or fulfilling his, his probationary stuff. And then if he doesn't do any jail time, I think he comes back even hungrier, even even more of a problem for fighters, for his opponents, because he's going to be a lot more focused. He's not going to be out drinking and, and, and doing a bunch of weed and, and doing stuff because I'm sure part of the probation period is going to be, you know, he's going to have to do drug testing, which means no coke, which means no marijuana, which means he can't be out partying. He's going to have to be at home every night, which is going to, you know, the only way for him to get out of the house is to go train. And that's his only, that's going to be his uh, part of his deal, I would guess. You know, I'm, I'm not an attorney. I'm definitely not a judge. You know, I'm just, I just have an opinion. And I kind of think that's the way it's going to go is that he's going to end up getting some probationary stuff and have to do a little bit of time, a little bit of talent, and then that'll be the end of it. You know, but the, and then he'll come back and be harder and tougher to deal with because he's going to be so angry that he's just, can't do anything he wants to do as, as a young man. You know, he's going to be kind of pigeonholed a little bit. And, but I do think that he comes back, you know, depending on, on the, uh, the severity and length of jail time, and, and I don't see George coming back at all. Do you agree that, that John Jones should step in and get an immediate title shot? Because that's what Dana was saying. I don't agree with half the stuff that Dana does and half the stuff that Dana says, but it all works out. And then when he <laughs> says it, he does it. I'm like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And then I wait for it to happen. I kind of see what goes on, and I'm like, holy crap. Like, he, he's, he is... 
it, it, okay, like him or not, like how he runs the, like how the Ruback deal came up, like how he controls the fighters, like the contracts or not, doesn't make a difference. Take all that out of it. Take your, take your emotional out of it. Understand that every morning that Dana White wakes up, he hits the floor and the devil says, crap, that guy's up again. He's a guy that no matter what happens, he wins. He finds a way to win every single time. Every contract negotiation, with like with, with Monster Energy Drink, you know, the new sponsor for the UFC and with, and with uh, getting the Fox Sports deal done when they were leaving Spike and going over to Fox, he wins in those deals. He finds a way to win. He found a way to get the Fertitta brothers, to give him the money, to invest the money in the UFC, to make this thing happen back in, was it, 2001 or 2000, and made this thing happen and dragged it from 48 states when it was in the U.S. when it was illegal to making it legal in 49 states and pretty much the rest of the world. Like, this is a man that wins every day. So whether you like it or not, Dana White finds a way to win. So when he says stuff, I still go, come on, Dana, that's just dumb. And then I wait a month, and I wait for that date to happen, and I was like, I mean, he said what three years ago, they they were you know, or maybe a little bit longer that they wanted to have a hundred do a hundred fights in a year, and and having fights in different continents at different times, and everyone laughed at him, and then all of a sudden now we're like, oh crap, there's a fight in Vegas, <laughs> uh, you know, on Saturday, there's a fight in Australia on Sunday, and there's a fight in, in Macau on Monday. Like what the what just happened, you know? And we're at like I think they're doing I say we like I'm part of the organization, yeah. <laughs> but you know they're 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 now at like I think this year. It's like 54 or 55 fights are going off. Yeah. going to happen this year. Yeah. You look, you're like three years ago, like there's no way this is going to happen. And they're happening all over the place. Now maybe the 100 is a bit of a stretch. But there's literally some weekends when all I'm watching is UFC events. Because it's all there is on. It's all it's on TV. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I'm missing one of them because it's on at like 3 in the morning. I got to catch up to it. So whatever you want to say about Dana, like I still like, you're not Dana. That's just crazy. And I just wait the month and I go, and I, he, he gets me again. Every time he gets me, I'm in awe of what he just pulled off. Like this, okay, he does it, you know. And so now, even now, like I'm watching announcements come out, I'm like, it's gonna happen. I can't, I can't say anything against it because every single time he said something, it's happened. This is gonna happen too. He's he's never failed. It may not happen 100. percent May not be fully around, but it's gonna happen. He says it's gonna happen that we're gonna get to New York, and and, and MMA is gonna be in New York. It's gonna be legalized, you know, and, and we're gonna have a fight in Madison Square Garden. It's gonna happen. They're gonna find a way to make it happen. That's just kind of how you have to deal with deal with uh, the UFC and, and deal with Dana. Is that you know whatever he says to come to fruition is gonna to come to fruition. I like it. I like it. Just two more questions for you here, Frank, before I let you go. Um, this whole Hall of Fame thing has obviously been big and huge for you. But are you satisfied with how your fighting career played out as a whole? No, absolutely not. No athlete is ever satisfied with how their how their athletic career. You know, played out unless you go back and you're like, oh, I was a, like a Matt Hughes, where he's like, yeah, I lost some big fights, but I was the best champion the UFC had for years until until GSP beats it like two fights before he retires. Like I was the best champion the UFC ever had. You know, like a guy like Matt Hughes goes back and looks at it, he's like, yeah, he's satisfied. GSP goes back and looks at his career, he goes, yeah, he's satisfied. A guy like Frank Trigg, who made the who made the championship title run twice and lost both times, no, I'm not never will be satisfied. I'm not satisfied with my, my wrestling career, not satisfied with my swimming career, not satisfied with my fighting career. Like there's always more for me to to do to I could have done better for sure. There's always more for me more that I could have done while I was there. Uh, absolutely. And and honestly when I got out I could have I could have fought for, you know, I, I retired coming up on four years ago now. Yeah. And I could have I could have kept fighting for two more years. It's just I had to stop because the money wasn't right. I wasn't getting the right money because I wasn't in the big leagues anymore. I wasn't good enough to be in the big leagues. So for me, I can make more money doing something else. So I, I actually had to stop when I still had the physical ability to do it. Just wasn't at the top end of the game anymore. Do you think if you had won that last Bama fight that you would have continued fighting? Uh, probably not because even after that one, it, you know, the money was so low. It didn't make a difference. You know, 
Fair enough. Yeah. So finally, if you could put any past or current MMA fighter into the Hall of Fame, the UFC Hall of Fame, who would it be and why? Any past or current UFC fighter into the Hall of Fame. Well, see, that's the thing, though, is that my first nomination has been and will continue to be um, John McCarthy. You know, he, he was never a fighter. But he's the original ref. He's the guy that, that set the rules up, made it safer, made it so the commissions could could come behind it. I mean, obviously he had a team and had people help him and what have you. But McCarthy's like he he should be absolutely should be one of the guys that should get in the UFC Hall of Fame for sure because he, he really was as big a name as, as as Hoist Gracie. Big John McCarthy was a name as well back in the early days, and he's still relevant today. He's still the big name today, and he's still you know between Herman him and Herb Dean, who are two top end refs. You know, every single time he come in, we saw this last weekend you know, that, that John McCarthy got the nod for the big main event. And that, that's kind of how it works out. You know, it's, it's John McCarthy, still the guy that everybody looks up to, every commission looks up to as the inventor of the rule and regulations and the understanding of how the sport can be safe and still have its violent attitude and still keep the fans happy, you know, where it's not like, you know, in hockey now, where sometimes I'm watching a hockey game, I'm like, why aren't they just throwing down? It's because they can't take the big penalty because they, they backed off on fights. It's just one of those deals where you kind of like, this is, this is, MMA is still violent. It still has that draw, still has that feel to it like it did back at UFC 1 and UFC 4 when we're still watching it. You know, obviously, the rules are a little bit different, but it still has that same kind of feel, but it's so much safer for the fighters and so much more understanding going on for the commissions. And Big John McCarthy was a part of that. And I really think that he's one of the guys that should be put in the, in the UFC Hall of Fame. And, and my buddy Joe Ferraro and I actually agreed on that. We were talking the other day, and he's like, yeah, like the next guy that, that, that we'd like to see come in that, that's still kind of around and, and big within the sport now that Boss Rutten is in. You know, who's a guy that I thought should have been in a while ago, but now the boss is coming in my graduating class, which I'm so honored to have him on my graduating class that that, that Buck McCarthy has to be one of the next guys in, in my personal opinion. Now, I'm not, I don't vote on this. I have no say in this. I don't know how they pick the guys. But in my personal opinion, I think that uh, for sure uh, uh, Big John should be one of the next guys in. He is Frank Trigg. He is the latest fighter to be inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame 2015 class. Frank, thanks a bunch for joining me today, man. And just let our listeners know where they can get a hold of you in the social media universe and whatever else you've got going on. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, it's all at Frank Trigg. It's, you know, it's all me. Um, so that's why sometimes I'm slow at responding to people, uh, especially like uh, my birthday was a couple weeks ago and I responded out and I just, I, couldn't, I can't get back to everybody. You know, but I'm so appreciative of all the fans reaching out and saying something. And of course, with the Hall of Fame announcement, my, all my feeds have been blowing up and I can't get back to everybody because there's so much more stuff going on as well. But I, you know, I'm so appreciative of everything. But I, I gotta, you know, I answer everything myself. I don't have somebody doing it for me. I don't. No one hacks my hacks my my Instagram, puts a naked picture of me up there and pulls it down. <laughs> if there's a naked picture of me up there, I put it up there. Like I'm the guy that controls all my stuff. That that's just, you know, what happens and how it works. And and uh, uh, if you want to get a hold of me, it, it is me answering you. It's not somebody else doing it. It's not some bot doing it. It's not somebody who's getting paid. I'm doing it. I'm the one that's out there talking to everybody as much as I can. And you're at MMA Odds Breaker. Can people find you anywhere else? Uh, not right now. I'm trying to uh, work on a couple things, but uh, as of right now, um, I'm doing a lot of stunt and uh, and acting. So there's a lot of projects I have coming out. If you go on to uh, imdb.com and, and type in my name, you'll see a, a bunch of the projects I'm working on right now and some of the things I'm getting ready to go do. And, and that really is is uh, the main focus right now until uh, the UFC hint 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 comes calling and says, hey, they need to need me to start covering some shows on a regular basis. Thanks a lot, Frank. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time out of your day to do this today, man. And and all the best, and congratulations again on the Hall of Fame nod. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Take care and have a great rest of the day. Yeah, you as well. All right, that is that. Thank you to Ian Bain for joining the show, kicking things off, giving his reasons behind closing shop with MMA Opinion. 
And thank you to the Hall of Fame inductee, Frank Trigg, for joining the show this week. Awesome to talk to those two, and awesome for you guys listening. Now, some news that came out this week. Uh, it looks like Ariel Helwani has reported on UFC Tonight that Rafael Dos Anjos is targeting a December return. Um, he has not been 100% medically cleared, but uh, he is out. You know, he's looking to get back onto the, onto the canvas and fighting inside the octagon in December. Let's see if Donald Cerrone holds out for that long because this guy is known to fight as often as he can. Another fighter that wants to get back in the cage, Kat Zingano wants to fight in the fall, and it sounds like Juliana Pena is interested in fighting her. Now, that would be a fun fight to catch up on. Rafael Santo is staying on top of his game. He is 100% ready to get back in there, just in case something happens to TJ Dillashaw or Henan Barrow. He wants to step right in there and uh, get inside the cage. Now, it sounds like 50 fighters will be invited to a UFC athlete summit to be coached about financial planning, media training, and anti-doping. This was said on UFC Tonight on Wednesday evening. That's an interesting thing. It'll be, it'll be cool to hear who those 50 fighters are. Will they be top-end fighters? Will they be a mix? Um, keep up with MMASucker.com to find out who those fighters are. Now, we had Frank Trigg on the show, who was inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame. Who else was inducted into the Hall of Fame? Uh, 2015 class, Boss Rutten was from the past. Um, BJ Penn is a current star that that uh, was inducted. And as I said, the fight between Matt Hughes and Frank Trigg is inducted as well. So those guys inducted into the Hall of Fame. This past weekend, we saw DC and Chris Weidman get the straps wrapped around their waist. Make sure you follow MMA Sucker on Facebook and Twitter and myself on Twitter at JeremyBrand604. Now, I'd like to thank my sponsor, ProAmBelts.com. You know, last week I, I spoke about ProAmBelts and I got a few comments after my, my uh, little pitch for ProAmBelts. And I think this is something that they should use because it was pretty funny. Now, let's hear if I can do it again. Pro-Am Belts, make sure you check them out. Head on over to ProAmBelts.com if you're wanting a championship belt. I don't know, if you're a promoter, if you're an athlete, if you're just a guy that wants to walk around with a belt on, maybe your girlfriend wants you to come to bed with the belt. Take it to the bar. You'll look like a cool guy with a championship belt around your waist. Check out ProAmBelts.com for all your championship belt needs. I don't know if that was as good as last week, but I think it was pretty damn good. So, yeah, head on over to Pro on Belts. Check them out. Check out uh, LastWordOnSports.com because they feature Sucker Radio each and every week. I love me some Last Word on Sports. It's not just mixed martial arts. It's everything sports related. With that, I would like to bid you adieu. I would like to say thank you for listening. And I am... Out. It's the radio. It's the radio. Sucker, sucker radio. It's the radio. It's the radio. Sucker, sucker radio. Come and listen. It's about that time. Yes, download the show or you can stream online. It's the radio. It's the it's the radio. Sucker, sucker radio. 
It's the radio, it's the it's the radio, sucker sucker radio. It's the radio, it's the it's the radio, sucker sucker radio. Come and listen, it's about that time. Yes, download the show or you can stream online. Out.